1986 to 1990, Frank Reed was held hostage in a Lebanon cell, and for months at a time, Reed was blindfolded, living in complete darkness, or chained to a wall in absolute silence. Can you imagine that? On one occasion, he was moved to another room, and although he was blindfolded, he could sense the presence of someone else in that room. Yet three weeks went by before he dared peek out to see who it was that was in the room with him. Come to find out he was chained next to Terry Anderson and Tom Sutherland. Although he was beaten and made ill and tormented, Reed felt most, listen, the lack of caring. He said in an interview with Time magazine, and I quote, Nothing I did mattered to anyone. I began to realize how withering it is to exist with not a single expression of caring around me. I learned one overriding fact. Caring is a powerful force. If no one cares, you are truly alone. End quote. Listen to those words again. He said at the end of that quote. If no one cares, you are truly alone. Perhaps you feel that way this morning, beloved. You know, Christmas uh, is a joyous time for many people. But for others, it's the most depressing time of the year. There are those who have no family. There are those who have few friends. There are those who are left to celebrate by themselves. Instead of a festive party, for some people, Christmas is a pity party. It's a pitiful thing indeed. And perhaps you're struggling this morning in certain areas in your life. 
And perhaps it seems that nobody cares what you're going through. Nobody cares what you're experiencing. Nobody really knows or cares. I mean, who has time anyway? We're all so busy rushing to and fro. We don't really want to know the answers to those polite questions we ask. You know those polite questions, right? How are you doing? Uh, What have you been up to lately? We don't really care, do we? We're just being polite, sad to say. It, It seems that some are experiencing the hurts of life. Life has hurt them and they're left to lick their wounds by themselves. Maybe that's you today. Be honest. Don't answer aloud. Don't don't affirm in a, in, a, in a positive manner what others can see. But in your own heart and mind, is that you today? Are you hurting? Are you lonely? Are you experiencing these hard times? Does it seem that no one really cares about you? If that is you, I have wonderful news. I'm glad you're here. God has a word for you this morning. He has a gift that has your name on the gift tag. You know, we're still unwrapping these gifts from our shepherd in Psalm 23. So far, we've unwrapped some beautiful, wonderful, awesome gifts. We've unwrapped the gift of peace, the gift of rest, the gift of guidance, and the gift of courage. But the awesome thing as well is there are still gifts under the tree. So go ahead and pick up the next one. It's found in the fifth verse of Psalm 23. Psalm 23, 5 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. The gift we find this morning, beloved, is a precious gift indeed. It is the gift of care. The gift of care. The shepherd's care. Now, this gift, I remind you again, as I have each Sunday, this gift is for the Lord's sheep. For those who belong to the Lord. I wonder, is that you today? Perhaps you say, well, preacher, how do you become one of the Lord's sheep? Well, you recognize you're a sinner. You recognize you cannot save yourself. You believe that Jesus The sinless son of God, born of a virgin, as we celebrate at Christmas time, lived and died a sinless life, voluntarily laid his life upon that cross, shed his blood, died, was buried, but then rose again victorious the third day. And then you call upon him to save you, to forgive you of your sin. You believe in him. And friend, if you'll do that, the Lord Jesus will forgive you of your sin. Make you an heir and join heir with Christ and give you a home in heaven. If you've never done that, let let me invite you to receive the greatest gift of all. That is the gift of eternal life. It can be yours today as you come by grace through faith to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, when you get that gift, when you get the gift of Christ, the gift of eternal life, you get all the rest. Why? Because you get the shepherd. And when you have that gift, you get these gifts. The gifts we've been talking about here in Psalm 23. When you have the shepherd, you have everything the shepherd has. That is, you have everything, including his care. A.W. Tozier was right when he wrote, With the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, and the wisdom of God to plan it, and the power of God to achieve it, what do we lack? Let me say that again. With the goodness of God to desire our highest welfare, And the wisdom of God to plan it out and the power of God to achieve it. What do we lack? We lack nothing when we have Christ. We lack nothing when we have the shepherd. 
Now, here's the question today. We have the gift of care. Here is the question. How does he go about caring for us? How do we experience this care from the shepherd in our daily lives? Well, he does it, first of all, by taking care of our hunger, by taking care of our hunger. Notice verse five again. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, it seems we've changed metaphors, doesn't it? We've been out as a sheep in the pasture with the shepherd. And now it looks like we're in a banquet hall with our gracious host. But, but don't be so quick. I, I don't believe we have changed metaphors. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe said. Table doesn't necessarily mean a piece of furniture like we humans use. The word simply means something spread out. He said flat places in hilly country were called tables. And sometimes the shepherds stopped the flock at these tables and allowed them to eat and rest as they headed for the fold. He said after each difficulty or difficult day's work, the aim of the shepherd was to bring the flock safely back to the fold where the weary sheep could safely rest for the night. Sometimes at the fold, the shepherd would spread out food in a trough because sheep lie down and rest after they've eaten. As they slept, they would be protected by a stone wall that surrounded them. And the shepherd himself would sleep across the opening of that door. So a table can simply be something spread out. It could be something the shepherd has prepared for the sheep. This deals with the needs of life. He takes care of our hunger. Sheep need nourishment. Sheep need protection. They needed food. They need somebody to keep them safe. Because why? The world is a dangerous place for sheep. And by the way, we need nourishment and we need protection. Why? Because the world is a dangerous place. You see, the Lord doesn't always remove the dangers from our life. Did you know that? Many times he provides for us in the midst of those dangers. Don't always remove the dangers. He provides for us in the midst of those dangers. Listen to Romans 8, beginning at verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, Nakedness, peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen and amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Even in the midst of dangers, he cares for us. Psalm 31, 19 says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. Our loving shepherd cares for us, beloved, by taking care of our hungers, by taking care of the basic needs of life. 
And in so doing that, he does it even in the face of our enemies and in the face of danger. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. He cares for us for taking care of our hungers, but secondly, he cares for us for taking care of our hurts. Taking care of our hurts. Look at the next part of that verse where it says, Thou anointest my head with oil. Thou anointest my head with oil. Max Lucado wrote a wonderful little book on the psalm, uh, Psalm 23, called Safe in the Shepherd's Arms. And he had this to say, in ancient Israel, shepherds used oil for three purposes. They used it to repel insects, to prevent conflicts, and also to heal wounds. Get those down. To repel insects, to prevent conflicts, and to heal wounds. He talks about how some insects can even so affect the sheep that it will lead to the sheep's dying. As the sheep literally go crazy and beat its head off trying to get rid of these insects that have infested the sheep's head. I won't go into all the details, but he uses oil as an insect repellent. He said also that at mating season, rams live up to their names. You know what rams do, don't you? They like to ram each other. And he said shepherds would smear a slippery, greasy substance over the nose and head of rams. So when they decided to do what they do, when they decided to ram each other, they would kind of glance off one another rather than just totally destroying one another. He used it to prevent conflicts. But, of course, sheep living out in the pasture and all they go through, they still get hurt. And so the shepherd would use oil as a medicine. To heal the wounds of the sheep. You get the idea. He used oil for all sorts of things to care for the shepherd's need. And say, what does that have to do with us? I mean, that's great that he put, you know, oil on the sheep and they didn't, you know, die or whatever. But what does that do? Let me ask you something. Christian, listen. Is there anything or anyone who bugs you? Don't answer out loud. Don't look around. (laughs) Do you ever butt heads with anybody? Do you ever get hurt if you walk through this life? Sure we do. We all do. There's all sorts of irritants in life. All sorts of irritants. I get irritated. I get frustrated. You get irritated. You get frustrated. Now, how does this work itself out in daily life? The Lord's caring for us. Well, remember, oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And as we deal with the irritants and frustrations and hurts of life, what do we need? Well, we need several things. We need to be long-suffering. We need to be loving. We need to be gentle. We need to exercise self-control, not flying off the handle. Do these sound familiar? Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The Lord takes care of our hurts. God, the Holy Spirit, works in our lives to help us, does he not? He indwells us. He desires to fill us as we yield to him. He brings about the fruit of the Spirit that we need. Now, Rick Warren had some interesting things. He said, what kind of bandages does the Lord use to heal our hurts? He listed several. He said, first of all, the Lord uses fellowship. You know what fellowship is? Don't just two fellows in a ship. 
But in reality, we have a fellowship here today. We get together with other Christians. I hope you're involved in Sunday school. If you're not, come next Sunday, 10 o'clock and get involved. Okay? Better yet, come at 945. Be there ready to go and welcome people in your class. Get involved. We're here as a body of believers. We have fellowship one with another. And in that fellowship, we find support. We realize we're not alone. We can bear one another's burdens and hurts and help one another. We have fellowship. Don't isolate yourself. Don't lock yourself away. What many will do, they'll lock themselves away and have pity parties and invite nobody but three people, me, myself, and I, and they'll have that party there. Don't do it. Get in a fellowship. Get involved in your local church. Get involved here at Red Hill. And get involved in the fellowship of the Lord. God uses, secondly, He said, prayer. You bring your hurt to the Lord and you talk it out. You give it to Him. You cry out to Him. Prayer. He said, thirdly, the bandage that God uses is worship. He says, if you ever had the healing power of praise, you come into a church service and you're down, but then you begin to sing praises to the Lord. You begin to listen as the choir sings. You begin to listen to the message and God begins to do a work in your life. Maybe you didn't even want to be here. But God does a work through the worship and you begin to heal. Maybe a message touches you exactly where you need to be touched. You begin to heal. And he said, fourth, God uses ministry. God uses ministry. That is others reaching out and ministering to those who are hurting. Maybe somebody's reached out to you. We reach out to one another. Maybe you get involved in a group or a small group or whatever, and you begin to heal through that. And then I would add number five. He didn't have a list, but I had number five. God uses his word. You come to the word of God. You begin to reclaim those precious promises. You begin to look at the past like we just read about who shall separate me from the love of God. If God be for us, who could be against us? You read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God uses his word. You stand on that. You claim that. God uses these bandages to heal your hurts. Let me ask you something. Are you hurting today? Are you hurting today? The psalmist says, thou anointest my head with oil. God wants to touch your life today. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what hurt you're facing. But the shepherd will meet your need. Come to him. He cares for us by taking care of our hunger. By taking care of our hurts. But then thirdly, he cares for us by taking care of our hankerings or our wants. Notice the last part of verse 5. My cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. You ever had a hankering for something? You know what a hankering is, don't you? Some of you have a hankering right now for a big old juicy steak or a piece of pie or whatever. A cup of coffee or cappuccino or whatever those things are that people drink. Many times we have hankerings for those things we can't get. We have wants and desires in our life. And sad to say, out of the three things the Lord talks to us about here in verse 5... Usually this is the one we experience the least. Now, now, not because of our shepherd, but because of us. We don't allow him, the shepherd, to be our all in all. We're not content. Our lives are filled with wants. I mean, it's Christmas time, isn't it? We want a lot of stuff. How many of your children said, listen, mom or dad, I'm content this year. Don't get me anything. 
you know, just to pray and sing carols on Christmas morning. And I'm just, I, I'm just glad to be with you, Mom and Dad. I'm just glad that we can be together as a family. We can go look at some lights and enjoy the tree. And we're just, I don't want anything. No, they, they want a lot of stuff, don't they? How many of us say that? How many of us say, you know, I'm content this year. Gothard said this, contentment is realizing that God has already provided everything we need for our present happiness. God is contentment is realizing that God has already provided everything we need for our present happiness. We studied the book of Philippians together as a congregation. Remember that verse in Philippians 4.11. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am. To be content. Harry Ironside said Christ is enough to satisfy the hearts of all who confide in him and who leave everything in his hands. Think about that. You know, we like to bring our needs to the Lord and we we, we feel like that's proper and right. And it is casting all you care upon if he cares for you. You ever brought your wants to the Lord? You say, well, I couldn't do that. Why not? He's your shepherd. He's your loving heavenly father. He's your savior. I want to encourage you. If you've never done it, but bring your wants to the Lord. How do you bring them? You bring them humbly. And you say, Lord, here's what I want. You begin to talk to him about those wants. Whether they're positions or power or influence or money or possessions or whatever. You say, Lord, here's what I want. And here's what you say. Purify my wants. Purify my wants. Lord, I want what you want for me. Here are my wants, Lord. You know, I thank God. He said no to some of my prayers. I I wanted a certain thing. God said no. And looking back, I say, thank you, God, for saying no. God will not give us that which harms us. Be like one of my boys who say, God, I really want to change saw for Christmas. I want to help Bucky and the brother go out and cut down trees. I'll say, well, you know what? I don't think you get to change saw for Christmas. Why? That'd be dangerous for him, his brother, his mother, and me too. I wouldn't give that which would harm him. And thank God our shepherd doesn't either. Bring your wants to the Lord. Realize afresh and anew that he is enough. I think one of the things that Psalm 23 is helping us to learn is that our shepherd is enough. Our savior is enough. We have everything we need in him. It says my cup overflows. That's bounty. That's plenty. I like what Haddon Robinson said about the Lord, our shepherd. He said, with him, the calf is always the fatted calf. The robe is always the best robe. The joy is unspeakable. The peace passes understanding. There is no grudging in God's goodness. He does not measure his goodness by drops like a druggist filling prescription. It comes to us in floods. If we only recognize the lavish abundance of his gifts, what a difference it would make in our lives. If every meal were taken as a gift from his hand, it would be almost a sacrament. Our God is a good God. Our shepherd is a good shepherd. I had a thought the other day. I was wanting to complain about something. And I thought I have no right to complain. No right. 
Do I fail at times to complain? Yes. You can ask my wife. Do I get frustrated and irritated? Yes, at times. But listen, my God is a good God. His goodness is overflowing. My cup overflows. I have everything I could ever want or need in this life to be content. I have heaven to gain and hell to shun. He provides for my wants. We live as spiritual paupers scraping around for a crust of bread rather than living like children of the kings lavish in his gifts and his blessings. He gives us the gift of care. He takes care of our hunger, our hurts and our hankerings. And I thought about this and I, I said it, how tragic it is that some believers do not recognize and experience their shepherd's care. The Laodicean church in Revelation, you might want to turn there real quickly. Revelation chapter three, the church of Laodicea. Seven churches are addressed there in Revelation, literal churches in that portion of the scripture. Revelation chapter three, begin reading verse 14. I want you to see a picture here of this church. The Bible says in Revelation 3, beginning at verse 14, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Keep reading. Verse 17, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, And have need of nothing. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich. And white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And and also as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. An invitation to repent and dine with the Lord. Now go back and read Psalm 23, 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup overflows. Be honest today. You are not self-sufficient. I am not self-sufficient. You and I need the shepherd. Laodicea in church thought, we've got it made. We've got everything we can want. Jesus says, listen, here's where, where you really are. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and I want to vomit you out of my mouth. But here's the good news. Repent and dine with me. Be honest with yourself, friend. You need his care. You need his care. In the early days of the automobile... A man who was driving a Model T had trouble with the engine. No matter what he did, he could not get that engine to crank. He tried everything he knew to do. And as he was trying to get that engine to crank, a limousine pulled up. The back door opens. A wiry, energetic man steps out of the limousine, 
offers his assistance. You can imagine that. Anybody ever experienced that? Probably not. Limousines do what? They fly right on by. And they laugh at you as you stand at your Model T. But anyway, after tinkering under the hood, this man from the limousine, the stranger said, now try it. Now try it. And immediately the engine jumped to life. The well-dressed man then identified himself as Henry Ford. And then he added these words. I quote, I designed and built these cars so I know what to do when something goes wrong. Your shepherd designed and built you, created you, gave life to you, gives life to you. When things go wrong, he knows what to do. Would you allow him to care for you today? Would you today bring your hungers, bring your hurts, and bring your hankerings to him? And say, Shepherd, Savior, I need your care. Let's pray. Father, it is with grateful hearts that we bow now in your presence. Father, I pray if anybody here today has not received the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, I pray this moment the Holy Spirit would convict their life and they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ. I pray for those who are already believers this morning that they would bring their hungers, their hurts and their desires to you. Lord, turn from their self-sufficiency to the shepherd's sufficiency, the Savior's sufficiency. Help us to see ourselves as we are, sheep needing the shepherd's care. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Work at this invitation, I pray. May we find our contentment in Christ and Christ alone. In his name, amen.